Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And this, this is the story So Farscape. Woohoo! <laughs> this is another one I've been looking forward to, Kay. I know I say that every time. I know I say that every time, but this one has a very special place in my heart. Because season four, episode eight, I shrink therefore I am. Um, do you know how, like, Farscape... Okay, for a lot of bisexual people. Yes. Farscape was part of their awakening, sort okay. of. Okay, yeah. Right? That, Fair. You know, when you have a hot man and woman in, in equally hot black leather and you go, huh. Oh, You're wow. allowed to have funny feelings about either or both. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> like, do I want to be John or be with him? Both? Por favor? Who knows? Yes. Well, here we go. I mean, but, I mean that, that part of the show is over. But you... Well, okay, it's, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> look, we're in season four of Farscape, and, like, by this time, I think it was, like, 2002, and, like, I was well into university, and I was understanding that who I was and what I liked, and, like, you right, know, as a yeah. gay young man in, in Amsterdam and is entering his early 20s. And then this episode came along, and then I realised, oh, I think I'm a sex weirdo, because, <laughs> yeah, I have a thing for the Karishi. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The weird sort of giant robots with the uh, with the glowing eyes. There's something about the, and the pumpkin the, stuff in. Yeah, oh, yeah, I I I can't fully explain it. Here we are, twenty years later. I'm still sort of processing it because, well, guess I have a type, and that type is odd. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> episode four oh eight. Yes, let's see what our listeners had to say about it, and whether there's any sex weirdos there as well. Yeah. The crew are captured by Gort and his pumpkin head pals who are keen to crash in <laughs> on the peacekeeper bounty. Oh, cash in, sorry. John McClane and 1812 go die hard with Hans Gruber to save the day in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Just be careful where you step. Thank you, Marky C. <laughs> hey, honey, they've shrunk the crew. Klaatu, Verada, Niktu. Stuck in a can, fight like Ant-Man, pumpkin spy squashed by my shoe. Ooh, it's got sort of haiku vibes there. It works. Thank you, Rick from the Delta Quadrant. Also very good at recognizing, like, it says Klaatu Varada Niktu. It's actually Klaatu Varada Nikto, but Crichton says it wrong. Ah. And so this is, you know, this is how Crichton say it. So, bounty hunters and tiny prisoners take the stage to captivate the audience in this episode. John is forced to take the enemy down die-hard style to rescue the crew, while Scorpy attempts to prove he is on Team Crichton. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. Yeah, do you remember how we used to sort of insist that you shouldn't, like, name any characters and sort yeah. of be really oblique? I know that we've sort of let, let, let go of that. And we're only reading these out at the beginning of the episode when we've already seen it, of course, and hopefully our listeners have watched it as well. <laughs> Yes, yes. I mean, especially since I now have the habit of coming in, like, at the very start, you know, where I said that we should do our our human interest segment that I completely forgot about immediately because I just want to talk about how much I loved each and every episode so far. So thank you, Melissa. So this episode, I Shrink Therefore I Am, Hmm. 408, came out Friday, 2nd of August 2002. Yeah, I'm reading from the database again. Directed by Rowan Woods, who has done... Basically everything written by Christopher Wheeler. Now, let me see. What has Christopher Wheeler done? I think maybe just this one, honestly. Unless I'm... Yeah, I think that's how I'm reading our database. Okay. This had a really interesting sort of development. Because it involves... It's basically Die Hard. Yes, Die Hard in space. David Kemper came in and said, Okay, we wanted to do a story where the bad guys aren't f***ing idiots. Yes. Which I think is a nice antithesis to Ayensh Yuyensh, which I'm still very, very mad about. <laughs> I mean, but in what was the episode with the smugglers? That, Lava's they, a many things. Thing. Yeah, that's the one. They, they weren't stupid either. That came to my mind as well. Like at the, at the very least, the ringleader was fairly clever. But so originally, like, they wanted to get to this point where John's challenge was that he couldn't kill them without killing one of his crew. Right. And so originally the Kureshi were going to be, Kureshi, Kureshi, it mm-hmm. goes all over the place, were going to be these giant refrigerator-sized robots that an actual person could completely fit within. Into. Oh, kind of like a Dalek, but then with a access hatch or something. Yeah. Right. And Dalek is a very good point. Dalek is where they got the, the inspiration, like, okay, so they're robots and they don't have faces. How do we know which one talks? Oh, you make the eyes blink. Yeah. Just like a Dalek. Ah, yes. You know, if you have four in a room, you want to know who's doing the talking. But so that went to the creature department and Dave Elsie, you know, he's always up for anything. He's like, I can do that. I'm going to need a whole box of Greebles. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, they, they did wind up, and I'll tell you how they how they did that in a second. But then they're going to bump into the ceilings, so we'll have to make all the sets bigger to fit these giant creatures in. Well, that wasn't going to fly. Oh, dear, yeah. And then, it's not clear who, but somebody said Shrink Ray, and everybody said, that's stupid, and they still did it anyway. Right, especially since, like, the aliens don't really get Shrink Ray'd. No, but when the prisoners get shrunk, right? Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Sorry. Right. And they, yeah, they yeah. can fit inside the... And so that sort of solved all these kind yeah. of problems. Go for it. It's right? Like, I love how they do a little lampshading with Tsukozu, who sits there in the uh, yeah. in the prison. Going, oh, but if, if, if we have molecules, then our brains wouldn't fit. And if we have shrunk down molecules, we couldn't be able to breathe air. And just like Rigel just hand waves it. Who cares? We're here. They did it. And that's that. You consider yourself intelligent? Yes, I do. Then stop behaving like a child. And stop yapping about it. And it's like, it's a you know, really good speech. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's it's so cool because, of course, all the fanboys are immediately going to go, oh, no, what kind of mechanism are you using for to, to make sure that they can still breathe and like work, <laughs> work and function while they're like shrunk down? And it's like, yeah, it's like, they you clearly know, do. It's hand waved away a little bit and. I mean, I was put in mind of a Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode. One little ship, like the same thing happens. A runabout goes through a squeezy wormhole and they come out tiny. And when they have to sort of exit their little tiny spaceship, they continually have to beam tiny air bubbles out in front of them for them to breathe because Uh they can't breathe regular sized air air molecules. And in Farscape, we just... Don't, That's like, yeah. You just give physics a wedgie and you shove it in the locker, <laughs> and then All it's right. solved. Yes. Yeah, and you go and you go on a on a date with. I see a fact when I both a cheerleader uh, and the quarterback because we're all bisexuals in space. Apparently, we are so. Okay. Ooh. Sorry. So, opening sequence. I know we, we see this every episode, but it, for somehow it really jumped out at me this time. It was Commander Cleaveridge who was, like, standing there holding her little speech about, he's going to pay for this humiliation. Mm. You know? And, like, I never get that, because I'm going to make him pay for humiliating me when I attacked him. It's that kind of stupid reasoning, like, I tried to do something bad to you, you gave me back my own, and now I'm mad at you for doing something bad at me. Yes. Like what kind of? Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Well, Just, actually, no. We we can stay in this in, in, in this little bit because it's about power. Right. Right. Grazer feels that she's in a position where she can. It is legitimate for her to do this to Crichton because she's yeah. a commandant and she's a peacekeeper, and yeah. this is what you get to do. She's grown up in this. She had her body altered, shortening her her lifespan. Mm-hmm. In order to accelerate her, you know, her, her rise through these ranks. It basically shows that they believe in might makes right. Exactly. Which, in my opinion, makes for a broken individual. Like, yeah. There's something wrong in your head if you, like, think like that. That's this just... Is, just uh, yeah. This is the nature of... The, like, yeah, fair enough. Among other things, fascism, right? Where they're true, true. Very, very space fascist. Very true. So, yeah, like... I understand it, your point. It just which annoys is that me she's, that people like that exist. Well, it's, it's just despicable. <laughs> yeah. She's absolutely despicable. But back to the show. Well, yes. this was a show, but it's just like something that like has been bothering me and I had to get off my head. Granny is up to her tricks again. She's being real creepy in this transport pod with Oh, absolutely, with John. yes. She's like, at first I thought it was Dargo who was like moving up behind him to give him like a little comforting bro pat on the back. But no, it's it's Granny. Yeah, she's doing a weird sort of aura massage and really getting into his personal space. And like really giving the impression that she's like messing with him again. Also does this weird little laughing around along with his jokes, which he can't get. Let me talk to Captain James T. Dargo. <laughs> Captain James T. Dargo. <laughs> I think she's super high. Well, that's possible. Yeah. This gives me vibes of something that I haven't personally experienced because in the Netherlands, certain substances like weed are legally obtainable and you just, so you, you don't have to be sort of weird about it. Yeah. Right? You don't have to go to one-armed Ahmed who lives behind the butcher shop and has a tattoo on his stump. You can because he's totally cool and he's actually really fun to hang. But you don't have to do the whole dealer thing. But like having friends in California, I'm, I'm familiar with the sort of dealer vibe where like the things that... Yeah, you have to show up to a parking lot and then there's like you walk up to the other guy's car and then you... Oh, I'm actually talking about how they come to your house to bring you the weed. Oh, okay. And then they hang out to play on your Xbox and sort of hang out like your friends and smoke the weed 
that like they you just, just sold you. <laughs> yeah, these weird sort of oddly parasocial and parasitic relationships that occur, and she's got that vibe because no, she's talking about like, oh, if you she mentions Aaron, she name drops Aaron, reminding yeah, exactly. him. And that's what I meant, like, with, with her being on her bullshit again. Yeah, she's basically going, like, oh, it's like how that stuff that I gave you to forget about your not-girlfriend, is it working well? It's like Now that uh, I've mentioned her. Now that I've mentioned her. <laughs> yeah. and like, are you sure you don't need a little bit more? And, like, uh, John does the classic, oh, I'm only using it to take the edge off. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't need it. Yeah, that's... But, so she's this enabler... Yeah, pushing her wares, I suppose. Although she's not charging. I, I, don't, I still don't know what her motivation is. Like, one moment, um, she might just be weird, or at once she might just be, like, you know, up to something. But Okay, so Farscape is not a show that's known for playing the long game, right? <laughs> not at all, no. No, you don't introduce a character, and then, like, a season and a half later, you discover that they're all snakes on the inside, and they actually weren't, <laughs> yeah. like, a real person. You know, like, Aaron will clearly one day be revealed to be. Yes, also a Scarron agent. Clearly. Uh, yes. So, that being the case, we have to take in on face value what we've seen of her so far, no, don't we? we? don't. <laughs> like, so, what is your... A, are you coming back on your, your hypothesis then about her? Because you sort of abandoned the idea that she was really no, I said I was. I, no, as I said, I was willing to entertain that she might actually be <laughs> genuine. I was not. I was definitely not abandoning the theory that she might definitely not be. No, oh, okay. I just so, like, it was just that showing what, what happened in that episode was like, okay, maybe she is actually genuine. But then again, I see stuff like this, and then, yeah, maybe not so much again. Hanging on could, to healthy paranoia. It, yeah, exactly. It's like not willing to make a trust commitment on that yet, as non, as John shouldn't do. <laughs> yes. And it's also still the fact that people still tend to forget about her. It's like Aaron at one point mentions, like, hey, what happened to the old woman? Oh, oh, And then yeah. right at the end... They, they, <laughs> I actually have, at one point, I had written down, like, Granny to the rescue, but... Nope. No, 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 it's, like, literally right at the end when all the problems have been dealt with, like, Rigel's gone, like, hey, there's something floating in front of the view screen. Oh, yeah, I forgot, Granny's still outside, can you pull her in? Yep. Yeah, she's just like Carrie Fisher in the much shorter edit of The Last Jedi, where she just floats outside and doesn't revive and come back in. Fair, yeah. So he gets on the comms because he and Granny, John and Granny, have been uh, have been out shopping and they've got a they've got a boat full of cargo. Yeah, groceries, and they want to come in. And why isn't Moya responding? And then Pilot does respond. And do you remember what he says? Uh huh. What about Chan uh, and Sakosa? Enjoying each other's company, preparing a meal for everyone but Rigel. He's not hungry. Yeah, that's a thing. It's. It's such great, like, opposite day talk. Now, Dargo is helping Rigel with his, let me see if I remember, with his laundry. And Aaron's writing some poetry. Yes. <laughs> While we see that he's surrounded and he's got these these big old metal cuffs on his claws. Like everybody does. <laughs> yes, everybody's got these cuffs. They've got one, like, he's got four of them. Yes. And most of the bipeds get two. And Rigel gets one. Rigel probably gets the one, one of the ones that are meant for pilots. <laughs> Sitting uh, in it like, like a vase. Yes, you never see anything of Rigel in this episode other than his head sticking out of that. <laughs> it's so great. It was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, he's getting a, been getting a lot of that. Like, he got encased in the amber in the lava's mini oh, splendid yeah. thing. So we're getting a lot of lockdown Rigel. And yes, we get our first glimpse of the aliens who really love to do the, use the, like, extendo motion on their arm knife blade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were really bucking for I an guess Dave, I, I guess David Kemp was really like, I, I put the effort into making these things, you bloody well got to use them. Oh, yeah, they put some serious effort into, into this because they had to figure out a way to make it safe. Because mm. they have four actors in these suits that do not have a lot of vis- visibility. No. Oh, yeah, I should really call I mean, out. I, would, I would think, like, use the blunt, use blunt knives, that would make it safe. But they, Yeah, but for, like, the close-ups? Yeah, you can't really see if a knife is sharp or not. not no, that's true. Yeah. Still, a blunt knife and all the other actors being bound, it can happen. I want to call out, let me see, his name is Duncan Young. That's the performer that's core. That's the main dude. Yeah. The one that gave, you know, 20-something khaki some really interesting feelings about, wow, I wonder what, what it is that's, but mm, whatever. Mm. But he was apparently amazing in these prosthetics, that he handled the, the heat and the lack of visibility, and he was still able to do, like, this complicated fight sequence. Yeah. 
Um, and, then, and then they must have had various versions of this armor, where ones where they were just like wearing it, and then there was like the extra special version where you had to have the the Scarin makeup under the other helmet. Yep, not so lucky. Tight schedule, tight production schedule. So the heads were made large enough that they would fit over a Scarin uh, right. makeup. Okay. Obviously, they wouldn't want to put it on and take it off too often. Mm. So that's why you get sort of this weird silhouette. Because, like, from the when they're shot from the navel up, they look absolutely amazing because the sort of chest is 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 enlarged. They look a bit in, in, insectoid with yeah. the little little mandible ports around the mouth and the eyes and yeah. At the same time, I think they've also got like horse proportions to the head. Yes. You know, the the back of the head is is, is very long and regal. And oh, I, I normally here. get that. I normally get that from Scarans, and this guy definitely was not. He was a little bit shorter shorter in the head than most Scarans are. Interesting, wasn't it? I noticed that. But then again, we know that Scarans aren't beyond lots of prosthetic or cosmetic surgery to make themselves look more uh, sebacianoid. Aren't what are you thinking of? Aren't they, I, I don't know. I seem to remember that they have been doing... Wasn't there, like, something in... I can't remember which episode. Well, there was a hybridization project, but the result of that was Scorpius. And yeah, other but, than also, that, they... but also... Wasn't there something in... No, it wasn't Look at the Princess, because there was, like, an out-and-about no. Scarin there. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure that we had a Scarin which had been, like, surgically modified to look more like a... Whoa. I was thinking of the wrong show here. I don't know. I seem to have this recollection that they were about this. I can't... This horrible visage that you see before me is me trying to decide whether I'm confused or trying to keep a poker face. And I don't actually know. <laughs> so, so let's anyway. just move on. <laughs> yes. anyway, but yeah, like they're, they're fine with stuffing themselves into cryotubes and like hiding out on planets and yeah. like doing all sorts of... Like they're really, really committed to their craft. So John Grox from Pilots Double Talk that, yeah, things are not well. And they do a quick little fly around Moya and they see this little boarding craft on there. We only get a really short shot of it. It's a shame because it's gorgeous. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of one of those little, you know, have you ever seen those viri, viri under an electron microscope, which is kind of this little three-legged pyramid type thing. Oh, my God, kind yeah. Of, it kind of reminded me of that. It's not quite pointy enough at the top, but that's what it reminded me of. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah. But so despite the fact that he's alone with a with an old drug dealer in an unarmed transport Subaru. pod here. He takes aim for the uh, uh, for this sort of breaching pod. Yeah, so this is like a, a really daring move. You see him faffing about with the armor. Granny goes and like, oh, I'll be all right. I'll take this, whatever it is, and I'll be in a vacuum coma for at least three arms. Yeah, it's uh, very relaxing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'd like to imagine that she was already, like, deep into the vacuum coma drug before the whole thing came up. Oh, no, like, I was just taking recreation lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll since just, I'm on it anyway. I'll just double the dose, I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, suicide run. They sacrifice a transport pod. Very good. And go smashing into it and completely destroying the boarding craft. And this is a bold tactic, because now, you know, they're, you're not trapped with them, they're trapped there with you. Yes. So... But I guess brass. I think he learned that maybe a little bit from the uh, the Grudex in mm-hmm. the first episode of season four, when yeah. the last time that Moya was boarded, sort of even the playing field and make everybody equally as desperate. Yeah, I like that the leader Axicor is his name, mm-hmm. which is a very very cool name. And in fact, one of our beloved listeners took oh. the name Axicor for their persona, persona I should say. Which I'm very, very envious of because it's a very good name and so absolutely should be stolen. He actually calls for the craft to be evacuated and emptied. Because, like, throughout this episode, the bad guys, and in particular Axicor, mm-hmm. are really sort of, they're on the ball. They're anticipating resistance. Yes. And, like, investigating what form that can take. And so, like, he knows that the breaching pod is a point of vulnerability. And... He very wisely has it evacuated, so he has more people on board. I love the intelligence. I love intelligent villains, which is why I still hate Iench Yuyench, and I will. <laughs> I know people have tried to convince me that oh, it's so much fun, and it's got uh, it's got Ben Mendelssohn in it. He is ruined. He's very. Oh, well, it's I mean they're they're going for a different thing. It's like it's meant to be a scam. They're meant to be incompetent idiots in that in that show. Well, it's it's it, they're pulling an insurance scam. You don't hire smart people to pull an insurance scam for you. You hire idiots who come into into your place and set it on fire. 
Okay. So you're telling me that Ayans Yuyans is the Fargo of Farscape. Far- well. Fargscape. No. I know. But I'm just like trying to like, I guess I'm on the other side of the fence here in this regard. And like explain why you don't want intelligent people doing that kind of bullshit because you might get blackmailed later. Which and, they do anyway. Well, okay. Anyway, so on command, Dargo it's busy up there. and Dargo, yeah, Dargo and Eren are both tied up in these weird cuffs, which yeah. are also used to inflict pain. Yeah, didn't really like link with that. It's just this weird sound effect, and they sort of wince. Yeah, it's, you know, the pain cuffs are. Uh, I mean, he actually literally threatens later that he can do a lot messier job with his knife than with the pain cuffs, but it would be entertaining. Ugh. Now, what I like about this shot is that you clearly get to see the who, who's the boss, because like, they have these light-up ranking signia. So he's got these like three red LED strips and the... Under uh, his pauldrons. Well, only on the, on the, only on the left side, but, uh, and the other guys only have one blue one. Yeah, because they have a cape on the other side, and it's so oh, hot. I didn't, I didn't even see that. It's so hot. So uh, the way that they did this was they... I mean, this was before 3D printers. So they sculpted these huge greeble sheets mm-hmm. that was the entire sort of t- flat torso thing. So it goes up to the, there's there's sort of nubbly bits in the cowl, but all the sort of chest greebles, that was one sculpt. And then that was, they call it foamed onto spandex. Mm-hmm. So probably foam latex, painted metallic onto spandex that people could then wear. Yeah. So even though it looks like metal armor, because they, they have the sort of chest chest bit that comes out and then underneath there's lots of greebles that's fairly just skin one, tight just one big casting yeah, yeah it's brilliant and you get this like almost like chainmail-esque material on the neck which makes for a nice flexibility and uh, but yeah, I'm going to come in here for, for our beloved listener Crimson and say that all mail is chainmail so it's just mail Unless you, unless it's specifically scale mail, then it's scale mail. Yeah. Right. So there's like two kinds, you know. <laughs> we play both kinds. Yeah. Country and western. Okay, so we God, have a scene yeah. where John is crawling through the ducts. Yes, he's John McClaning through Moya. Yes, but again, we hear, we see like how these aliens are very skillful. He literally sucks in a little gasp and then. I mean, Dargo hears it, but also one of the aliens hears it, and Dargo tries to fake Dargo it by, like... smells him. Oh, Dargo smells him. Okay. Yeah, you, you hear him sniffing first. No, I think... It, okay, no, John sniffs, and Dargo hears it, and then Dargo tries oh. to cover for that sniffing sound by sniffing himself. At least that's how I read the scene. Oh, oh, okay. No, yes, that's right. That that does make sense, because because John is sniffing the, the, the laka. Yeah. Because he's up there... Yeah, this is actually quite clever. It comes up a few times. It's very subtle. John prioritizes Aaron and then realizes that he shouldn't. Mm, because Aaron's the one being tortured at that point. Right. Yeah. Like, in this case, he's clearly feeling, okay, my first priority is to free Aaron. Wait, no, that doesn't make sense. So he takes a, a hit of the laka, and then, yes, Dargo suggests, while one of the, the hench people is sort of listening and possibly hearing something, hearing his heartbeat, oh, yeah. we should negotiate. And they all start speaking their own languages. Yes, I know. I have that, like, all the translator microbes suddenly go haywire or something. It, it, yeah, it becomes a little blast of sound, and aliens tell them there to, uh, yeah, shut up, be quiet. The, tr- I guess he goes, it's like a tracker guy again. Yeah. Who has a little thingy beepy on the side of the head, but John fortunately manages to make use of the disturbance, I suppose, to get out of the tubes. And, yeah, the uh, distraction that his friends gave him. Yeah. I love that the villain then goes, ah, he's gone. Not like, oh, must have been nothing. Like no. a complete idiot. No, he left, yeah. At least we know he's in the vents now. Rigel is being interrogated with a very clever mechanism. Apparently he's a bit of a mind reader, this uh, yeah. alien. Because he asks him, like, oh, is he going to go? And Rigel gives the correct answer, but then thinks... He lies. That, yeah, he lies. That's what I mean with the correct answer. <laughs> <clears throat> but then he lies, and the alien can read his mind. Yeah. Clearly. That's a convenient trick. Yeah. Very useful. Okay. Do we think that that's a Qureshi thing or a brain scarring thing? Which, by the way, that's what Dave Elsie yeah. called this makeup, which he really enjoyed getting to do another version of the of the scarring. He calls these brain scarrens. Mm, is it the captain who does it? Yes, it's Axicor with the, the, with the red Then it's a brain scarring thing. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, why All else right. would he have that ability? Or you think it might be something in the armor? Right. 
Yeah. I mean, they have the, the shrink ray, they have who knows what else they have. Interesting. Well, we only see Axacor do it. Yeah. Because he tries it on Scorpius later. Who says, in Scarron. Yeah, yeah it doesn't work on me. Like, <laughs> so that, makes, that, that implies that it's a Scarron thing, actually. It makes more sense that it would be a Scarron thing then. Oh. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't work on Scorpius. Oh my God, that's perfect. Yeah. It doesn't work on Scorpius, and he immediately, like, responds in Scarron because he knows that that's a Scarron thing. You're yeah. completely right. <laughs> okay, you're brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. Okay, so let's see what else you come up with. This is fantastic. Although, oh, I'm just watching these jeeps of, of Rigel sitting in his flower pot, and I just love them so much. <laughs> he, he looks ridiculous. But Did it's... you put one handcuff on this dude? <laughs> oh. I guess, like, maybe it made it easier on the puppetry department. Or harder, I guess. Maybe it's just a head which they kind of have sticking out of this I thing. I guess, yeah. <laughs> okay, but so the interrogation has worked well enough that John's plans are foiled because Axacor calls over the intercom. Oh, yeah, yeah he's going to go to his room first and then Pilot's room. Yeah, uh, he's so going to grab guns and a shielding device, which they clearly haven't found yet, like the weapon shield oh, that yeah, they yeah. have. And then he's going to go to the pilot's den. So secure the pilot's den, which is where we find Chana and Sokozu. Yes, enjoying each other's company and cooking a meal for everyone. They're having this little sit around and a little bit of bickering, not that much. And we get another brilliant scene of talking in front of the guards again. It's like where they <laughs> where they go like, hey, guard. And then they whisper together. It's like, we're yeah. going to trick him. Hey, guard. Who was just <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm just going to have to point out your podcasting technique. I love how you, like, yell into the microphone, then turn very far away. And, to do the whisper, yes. And whis okay, so here's how I'm it's supposed to, to go. Sound hey, guard! And then you whisper very close. And you uh, did the opposite. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to exaggerate, exaggerate the effect. No, but I kind of love it. You're doing the Chiana and Sokozu method <laughs> well, of, that's like... <laughs> that. Oh. Doesn't work very well. Yeah. Because we, we don't know whether... Do... Hey, do you think they f***? Mm, I have no idea. I mean, all I Outside know about... Outside of my fan fiction, I mean. All about uh, I know about these people at this moment is that they they kind of cyborg guys themselves and that there's not really much left of them other than fluffy pumpkin-y insides Why and the armor. It's kind of unclear how they biologically operate at this point. Yeah, right. They're really tough to kill, as we learn later on. So they graft themselves into bioengineered armor, whatever that means. Yeah. At least by the time they're dead. And they tend, like, they die pretty hard. Right. right. There's, it's all sort of goopy in I there. Mean, and isn't that how they are usually? I mean, it might be. Uh, we don't know. But maybe they have a very fast decomposition process, or maybe, uh, like... Yeah, the, the I mean, they clearly have vitals, because when they get the one gets spiked later on, that's what takes him out. Like, getting hit multiple times by whatever hand cannon they have on hand doesn't kill them, but getting Ewoks by a spike from the ceiling, <laughs> that does it. <laughs> And he does mention that John was leaking vital fluids and like, yes. oh, you'll be leaking vital fluids. I swear I was leaking some fluids the first time that I saw this. <laughs> I don't know why I'm such a sex weirdo, okay? Yeah. But okay, so the first plan is out the window. His usual plan of like getting my weapons and then freeing pilots and, and then, then just killing them one there. at a time and that doesn't work. So yeah. what does he do? Did you have an idea what he was going to do? No, not really. He checks the DRDs first. They're dead. Yep. So he goes off to find... The big guns, which are apparently kept in Scorpius' cell. Okay, yeah, I'm not entirely sure how he came from there, but I think no, hold on. I think he, I think he first went to Scorpius's cell, which is really no idea. weird. I like, really don't know. Well, he went to Scorpius's cell and found it empty, but he did find 1812 oh. there. Oh, that was it. 1812. Huh. Playing possum, huh? All the other DRDs are down, but 1812 is because he's from a different Leviathan, operates on a different frequency, and was still active. But he was playing possum. He's such but a he was, clever little dude. Yes. John tells him to go activate more of the DRDs. While he 
Okay, where does he go? Anyway, he, he and Scorpius do wind up meeting up. At first, he's very distrustful of, of, of Scorpius. I'm just a little twitchy because uh, you sold us out. Nothing of the kind. What's just coinky-dink? You're running on the loose. The only reason I escaped capture is because the bounty hunters do not know I'm here. By the time they got to my cell, I was not in it. So I escaped somehow. And there's this, it's this beautiful thing. Okay, so how did you escape? Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, the cell can't hold me. Oh, so you could have left any time? Yeah. Yeah, I could have always <laughs> left. I stayed in there to make you guys feel better. Woof. I mean, that is a very Scorpius thing to do. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. John could learn so much from Scorpius, which is if you have a secret advantage, don't tell anyone about it. <laughs> yeah. And just keep the secret advantages to yourself. There's a little bit of talk and negotiation between John and Scorpius, where John decides whether or not he wants to trust Scorpius, which he apparently eventually does by handing him one of the pulse guns. Ben Browder and Wayne Pygram both protested. Yes. Like they both went this, because in the original script, it was just a gun that he was being handed. And no disrespect to Christopher Wheeler, but they just went, absolutely not. And they sort of, I imagined them going over to director Rowan Woods, like secondary school kids who want to go do something that they know they're not supposed to, and they go up to like a teacher or one of their right. parents with a, a clear sort of a sort of justification why it's actually a very good idea to let us off the hook and like, and we'll just, oh, we'll be very good together. And they just went up to Rowan Woods and asked him, well, what if it's unloaded? And then we can, you know. Have fun with that. Which I think, I mean, I have actually have that written down because Scorpius, he's trained. He's a peacekeeper. Yes. You know, he wouldn't leave, check if the gun was, wasn't loaded or not. I mean, that's the first thing you do when someone hands you a gun. You check the loaded status if, you're, if you have any training around firearms. Right. <laughs> well, okay, so this is another one. Did you, did you catch... That John did that as he was preparing in the transport pod. Did what? He did exactly that. He took Winona's chakan oil chamber out. Right, and he, he licked it. it. Yeah, yeah, I you saw, saw that. that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's what you're supposed to do. Right. I mean, maybe he knows not to lick weapons that you've been handed. Yeah. Because that might I mean, be that, the... I mean, it can't be that you just... Oh, yeah, no. no I, you do, I do remember that it tastes empty or something. It seems to be, yeah, the way it's you... It's spicy ch- when it's full and it's sort right. of the flavor fades. That's yeah, you're right. I remember that. I yeah. forgot about that part. But yeah, I mean, that's what you would have done. It's like, yes, I suppose. I mean, unless this weapon. Oh, by the way, I remember which weapon it reminds me of. The Steyr Aug. Yes. Yes. Uh, completely okay. copper composite, and it's got like this built-in non-magnifying scope at the top. It's very popular in Stargate, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, although you use no, P90s for that. No, you're thinking about P90s yeah. for Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, right. The but Belgian. It, but again, it's like very much a science fiction weapon because it's all sleek lines and yeah, it's a weird gun. Yeah. And this one's just got a flashlight on top. I'm sorry. No, this gun. It's like it has this white like thing which looks like a flashlight. That's not what you said, bud. <laughs> Can you prove it? <laughs> Can you? Oh, okay. <laughs> Whoa. In a, in a you... podcast that we both have editing rights to. Can I prove it? In fact, you're editing this one. So I'm really curious what you're going to make of this. Anyway. So they have a plan, which Scorpius is not terribly impressed with, but at least like it sort of passes muster. Like, mm-hmm. okay. So you're going to one at a time them, ambush them. Oh, okay, well, you'll, you'll need some help then. Yes. And he has a plan, which is to call the head honcho, pretending to negotiate, and then hang up while leaving some clues in the background where yes. he is, which is another opportunity to use the fan room that they created. Which they wanted to reuse, so there's a little bit of back and forth, like, you surrender, no, you surrender. Well, <laughs> that's pretty much what it boils down it to. It kind of does. And then, yes, they hang up and... Indeed, a guard gets sent there. John stands there with the big blunderbuss, as he calls it. Uh, he found Mr. Sparky. Yes. Shoots it, hits him. Guy falls over, gets back up, shoots him again. Guy falls over, gets back up, shoots him th- shoots him three times, still gets back up. Shoots yeah. the remaining three rounds. Guy finally goes down. But not after Scorpius got to find out that his gun was unloaded and got <laughs> shot in the know. face, for the f- uh, in the chest at least, for the... <laughs> Stands there for his efforts, <laughs> facing the the, the Karishi, goes ha ha, and pew, pew, pew. and he even sort of 
Like he doesn't duck for cover. No. He just drops the kind of Thank you, John. Thanks for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's so unimpressed with everything you see. So that's the first one down. Yeah. And this is when Core decides, all right. Yep, plan B. Containment yeah. plan, as they call it. Yeah. We're now going to put hostages inside our bodies. Yes. They use their little shrink ray to <clears throat> small every fun, everybody down, put them in a little soda can, and actually integrate them with the armor. While Chiana sort of observes the keypad commands, mm-hmm. yeah, very good using that ability that she's got. What did you think about the shrinking effects? Oh, it was fairly well done. Right? Yeah. Dargo manages to grab a combat just before he gets shrunk down, but I'm trying to find the right Gieve, which is where... So they get shrunk a bit later. Yeah. And it's, and it's really kind of brilliant because... Aaron sees the combat, which she can't reach, mm-hmm. and Dargo sees it as well, and they sort of see each other. Aaron makes a break for it, or she tries to, you know, kick the kick axe core, which is clearly not going to work. But that distraction allows Dargo to gecko tongue the combat and grab it. Yes, before he is shrunk, he's shrunk first, and then axe core, which is his own combat, which he still has. Yes, to tell Aaron to tell John. What she just saw. Yes. Basically explaining that they got shrunk down and that now the people of the crew are being hostage. And Axicor tells them, like, yeah, you're not going to be able to kill us without killing one or more of your friends. This is such a tense show. I mean, I had trouble getting into the tension, Mm -hmm. really, of it. Like, obviously, I don't believe that the crew are really in danger. No. But John believes it. And I'm so, like, throughout this, I'm so excited to see what he's going to come up with and how clever he's going to get. And turns out, not very clever. He actually sort of gets more cowboyish and and cavalier and stupid with everybody's lives. He tries to not do that, but yes, definitely so. So the interesting thing that I noticed about this episode, it doesn't have a B-plot. Yes! There's no B-plot in this episode. It's just about the action and what's going on. You're absolutely right. Like, the closest is the is the scene with Sikozu and, and Rigel, where she notices that this is stupid, and he, he teaches her a lesson, that you're an infant, you know. I don't expect the uniform universe to conform to my preconceptions. Yes. I'm wise enough to know how ignorant I am. I also noticed a continuity error. Oh, okay. When Aaron gets shrink-rayed, and you see her lying on the floor. She's not wearing the cuffs. Oh. Oh, interesting. Here's the Gif. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, <laughs> she's just sort of lying there. Yep. And then, uh, like, as I have written down, it's like, oh, why didn't Aaron's cuff shrink? Or why why, do, uh, why did, does everything shrink except not the cuffs? And then later, in the next shot, she's, like, magno stuck to the walls of the beer can. Yeah, because they get... Put in these Which pods is and really a clever way to do it because, like, if you're going to carry people shrunken around, you really don't want to, them bouncing around in those pods. Which I thought was True, absolutely, you know, that was a good idea. I mean, you're still going to flop around a bit, good unless safety you're feature. But yeah, it makes sense. I mean, randomly being essentially like arms spread eagled and hanging off there is oh yeah, not, that's quite uncomfortable. It's but. not great for for, no. for one's body. So yes, this is this does look like a little production snafu. Mm-hmm. Which is in part because, oh, Claudia Black was a little bit ill during the production, and oh. it was it was a bit tricky, and some things had to be worked around. Okay, well, like, that happens. Unfortunately, the very best scene, which is her riding a DRD to the rescue. Yes. Which, you were so excited when this happened. Yeah. You're like, Kaki, Kaki, look, look, you'd written it I call, down. I called it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the moment that happened, then it's like, oh, we're going to go at it, and she's running off small, and I'm like, okay, she's going to be riding into battle on a DRD. And lo and behold. <laughs> yeah, they had to cut that a little bit shorter than it was originally intended to be, because, yeah, she was, uh, she was unfortunately ill. I guess they must have built like a like a DRD sort of gimbal or something. I don't know, just a shell or something. It's it's, it's clearly green screened. That scene is. Did they build a like soup scale DRD? That's what I think. I think they just built a shell and just painted it to look like a DRD. That's amazing. I mean, I, mean, you, I don't want to skip ahead in no, my leaves no. because that's, that's uh, it's, it's a pain to get back. Okay, so they have a they have a new plan for how they're going to take out the next guy, and John's plan is the pulse chamber overload trick. Which works 
Not very well, because the guy shows up in the corridor, sees the thing lying there. Pulse chamber overload. <laughs> Not very creative. And yes. he shrink rays it, and it just like... <laughs> it's so good. However, that was only the distraction. Yes, because 1812 is ready to, as you say, Ewok him in the chest. Punji spikes come out. <laughs> wow. It's a death trap, is Moya. It is. I mean, if you know how to work it. Uh, I also like that Axicor sort of directed his, his crew. You know, one of the crew said, oh, I hear something over there. Should I go and check it out? No, you stay there. I'll assign somebody else who was currently on patrol duty. Yeah. So you, you do your thing and we will get the thing in. He gets spikes. You do your thing, and we will get the thing. <laughs> yeah, <in>. whatever. <laughs> okay, you're really channeling Axicor's brilliance there. Yeah, this is where I actually have written down. Like, it feels like very much like a very early season episode. You know, as in a early, early seasons, earlier Ooh. seasons. It feels like the current threat. They're yeah. being chased by someone or something. It's yeah. They didn't have B plots in the very early. They didn't episodes. have B plots. That probably also contributes to the fact what's going on. Well, okay, let's let, let's think about it because when I think very early episodes, I think like Exodus from Genesis, where the the, the drac came on board and like impersonated people, right? But there you had kind of as a B plot, Aaron's heat delirium. Fair. No, I, I mean I'm not, yeah. I'm not making a counter. I mean, we, we have we have Scorpius's heat heat thing here, although it's barely even mentioned. There's one scene where he's like steaming from the ears a little bit. You're smoking. You know that's not good for you. you yeah. <laughs> And he's just tolerating it because apparently Sikozu has tried to fabricate some cooling paste. Yes, which is you know, not, doesn't work so well under duress. There's also Throne for a Loss, which is the first time that we see the Tavlex. Yeah. Actually, I think that one sort of counts as, oh, no, no, no. It does have a B-plot, which is Rigel and Jotheb of the Consortium of Trow, mm-hmm. sort of having their little rivalry. So, yeah, I guess the B-plot here has to be John and Scorpy. Yes. Getting to know one another. Yeah, maybe not trust, but at least cooperate. Yeah, Scorpius is unimpressed. Like he's, yes. How did you survive? How, how have you been evading me for so long? A little side effect of this scuffle is that another dude shows up and yes. shoot, briefly shoots John. Apparently he's bleeding, but, you know, oh, human beatings can continue for hours after you shoot them. Well, they're very sturdy creatures. What are you quoting now? Oh, it's just like some the humans are space orcs the thing that's going oh, doing his like way around so. the internet. Scorpius gets captured. Yes. He covers John's retreat mm-hmm. before either of them are able to take, you know, the one of these gauntlets or whatever from the from the Ewoked yes. uh, Koreshi. So he covers his retreat by by surrendering. And they go, okay, who is this? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he'll be, he'll be valuable. Okay, should we call the command carrier in the meantime? No, 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 not until we've got uh, John says. So that was a very interesting thing here. Yeah. Because first, at this point, they're still talking about call, calling the command carrier. And, oh, no, I guess it was just Axicor being duplicious. And go like, oh, maybe we should call in support here. And That's yes, the one. okay, no. So, because as the Qureshi bounty hunters are hired by, by peacekeepers in this case... But Axicor is actually Scaron. Yes, which we learn when Scorpius is talking to him. We get a little Darth Vader moment when Axicor takes his helmet off. And it kind of even looks a bit like, you know, you know the scene where you see Darth Vader's helmet oh, getting yeah. put on in, or taken off for that matter, in uh, either Empire or Return of the Jedi. It's such a good makeup too. Yeah. Like, it's so recognizably Scaron. Actually, it took me a while. It took, took me to the second time. That the helmet got taken off, that I only saw saw the Scaronish part. I thought his face looked fairly human for a Scaron. Right, yeah, he doesn't have the huge, like, yeah. horse-headed animatronic. And, yeah, and his, the back of his skull was a little, looked a little bit shortened, which is, like, led into that talk that I said earlier about the, yeah, Scarons taking surgery to, like, make them fit different roles. I swear there was a Scaron agent in the past that we've seen that did some... It wasn't the torture guy, but there was another one. There's, it seems to be on my head. Now you are definitely doing a poker face. <laughs> I don't know which face I'm doing, but I'm really doing my best. Like, I mean, even at this point... Even if I remembered what it was that you were thinking of, I probably couldn't tell you because then you could sort of reverse engineer. Yes. Like, which bits were confusing and which bits were poker face? <laughs> so, John has actually managed to get one of the canisters, the one with Aaron and Chana in it. Yes, Scorpy ripped that out for him, but he doesn't have anything to do with it yet. No. So he 
He's, he's a little bit of dick about it. Like he's like he rolls it around and catches it and uh, yeah, really playing with your friend's life. I know, right? He's just, he's just assuming that it's good enough. Core tries to torture Scorpius, and Scorpius is just like, yeah, whatever. He's like, <laughs> very reminded. Is that all you can do? Of that <laughs> gif with with Skeletor where he goes, ha, jokes on you, bitch. I'm into that shit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and now we learn that this is actually a plot because he gloats Axacor gloats to to Scorpius yes we're like oh we're gonna get him and we're gonna get the wormhole technology from his brain actually Scorpius figures that out on his own before he says it yeah how many peacekeepers dealt with you without realizing that they were dealing with a, a Scarron spy? Oh, far too many. <laughs> yes, it's like, it's not, but again, no monologuing. It's like Scorpius works it out. Yes. Uh, Good and point. it's not Axicor that tells him, like, this was my plan all along. No, Scorpius works it out, and then like, Axicor doesn't deny it, but. So John is captured. In the in the sort of hangar bay where he's preparing his next great plan, yes, um, which doesn't go as well as the first one. New. No. The idea is to create a sort of circular firing squad of DRDs to yes, cut- laser clothesline him. I believe he calls it. Yep, with their little guns and which, like, he should know isn't going to work. I mean, he saw the other DRD shoot the the spiked dude and they were barely getting through the armor he used big bertha on the other one and it barely got through <laughs> it's like he well, they really were going sh- center of mass though yeah here, here the idea is to go for the neck yeah the okay neckline, fair but still. because also they've got the you know they've got the canister in the chest no i get that but still it seems like a very big gamble i mean you would assume you would assume, perhaps naively, that around the neck, which requires more mobility, the yeah, armor would be fair. less thick. But yes, it's. And so John tries to turn around. There's another Karishi there, and he goes, "Yeah, he gets he gets clothesline. Yeah, he gets clothesline himself." <laughs> and now he sits up and he he talks to the guys. How does he know that Axicor is a Scarron? Let's see. Scorpius I was paying attention very Scorpius closely. knows because he hears him speaking Scarron. Yes, yes, yes. Scorpius and, gets put in a canister with Dargo. But Chana and Aaron? Aaron are on the shelf. Did they overhear it? Mm. No, wait. Dargo, Dargo has to communicate. He has he his tells, mouth calls. Yes. He has his uh, he has to communicate, so they tell him. And he actually has Scorpius has to convince Dargo first that he is of goodwill before Dargo will allow him to talk so to uh, smart. Yes. Such a such a good captain move. And even then, the first thing Dargo says is, John, can we trust Scorpius? More today than yesterday. Why? Today, which is like a <laughs> really good answer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then here's the information that we've that we've gleaned from the from this context. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. Very good. So that's why he knows a Scarron. So he sits back up and goes, Hey guys, did you know that you're working for a Scarron? And they're all like, huh? What? I love that they don't react. I love that they don't react like like caveman idiots going, oh, no, I don't believe you. Know, like they just continue they're doing what they're willing doing. willing to entertain the thought. They go like, okay, this is interesting information. We might But want they to also know it. that he's a prisoner and he will say whatever he needs to say. So of both course. of those things yeah. are going through their, their, their totally hot immune... I don't know why I'm into these guys. <laughs> okay, yeah, no. I mean, looking... looking you do see, what you do. Right, I do. It's just, it's going to chafe so much, and I don't even know. <laughs> yes, there's going to be that. And he says, like, hey, peacekeepers, Scarons, you know, it's all the same to me, but for you guys. You might not want to, you might want to know where you're going to end up, if it's on a dreadnought or a command carrier. Yeah, a dreadnought, which... Which is very mil- misnomed here. What? Why? Well, he calls the dreadnought and goes like, "Oh, hey, come, come, pick us up." And the dreadnought's like, "No, there's a command carrier nearby." So, so much for dreading not. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I have. You're a sort of literalist when it comes to things that are. I have bad news about buffalo wings, dude. I'll explain it to you when you're older. Listen, okay. So one of them goes up to Axcor and says, "Open your armor," and I. Yeah. You're sitting there going like, yes, yeah. yes, go on, go on. <laughs> Let's see if, because maybe it's the armor that I'm into. I don't know. Do I want sort of shrimp sort of scenario? I don't know, but go on. Axico goes, no, I think not. And sets off, like, it looked like the explosions that, that people put in, in buildings, hospitals. Yes, to, right? To, yeah, like all, uh, all the joints and everything. There's little explosions bof, bof, going bof, bof, off. Bof. The guys just sink 
down, and then there's like ooze drooling out of their orifices. Now, if you did that too, and of course, I don't want to like advocate harm to any person, anybody, but like a person, I think they'd also be a lot gooier on the inside than we usually are. Fair. Depends on what kind of charges we're talking about, you know? Well. I mean, this was clearly meant to just take them out, and I think, presume, kill them. Um, oh, yeah. It was some kind of failsafe that he built into his crew's armor mm-hmm. to kill him. Yeah. So he could just, like, knock them out when he got found out, as he did. And like, I thought this was really cool, not just from a, uh, just the way it looked, but also from a plot device. Yeah. Like, okay, now suddenly it's one against the crew. You now they outnumber him. Without them have, uh, having the assistance of the other uh, bounty hunters. Yep. Absolutely brilliant. And bit. yeah, visually also spectacular because you've got this, like these puffs of smoke and it always yep. comes from, from like between the joints and the armor. Oh. Man, I hope you guys are still under warranty. <laughs> so now he does have a shrink device and he has Chiana who explains to him how it works and, you know, he takes the arm or the gauntlet off and like sort of slops the... The pumpkin insides out. It reminded he keeps me... keeps refer- referring to them. It reminded me the most of one time I saw an Italian person and it it's it's one of those rare cases where somebody joyously reaffirms stereotypes that you didn't know you really had and at once sort of makes them glorious. It was at, at university and there was an Italian student and we were in the in the cafeteria and he had this big old thermos and an empty cup and an empty plate. <laughs> I could see where this and is I going. And I thought that he was going to fill his cup with, with coffee that he brought and instead he just glorps a bunch of pasta, uh, pasta of, carbonara onto out. his plate and it was still steaming hot. Yeah, he made it at home and he brought it. It's brilliant. I thought he was going to talk about how they talk with their hands, but this is funny. <laughs> Not anymore. Not not if they got the Axicore treatment, I don't imagine. Uh, I guess not, no. Yikes, this is some horrible imagery. But yeah, we get m- several more shots of Axicore, and like he looks way too human for a Scarron. You know? Yes. He, he definitely looks less Scarron-ish than the Scarrons we've seen this far. And Scorpius remarks on, on, on that, because he's never met one of the ruling order before. Oh, uh, okay, that was actually a refer- referring to actual Scarrons. I wasn't entirely sure... Whether or not he was still referring to pretending to be one of the bounty hunter aliens at that point. Oh, I but, think he's pretty yeah, yeah. definitely okay. talking about yeah, uh, about Scarrons. Crichton mentioned it later on as well that he's not as horse-headed as they usually are. Core threatens to Scorpius, you know, when I take you back, I mean, you're a really, really nice bonus. You're going to see a lot more of me. Mm. Which, I guess, makes you wonder, why haven't we seen any of these guys before? I don't know. Because one of these guys is sent in as a spy, yes. right, as an undercover spy, but they didn't send one of these guys in as the ambassador to the breakaway colonies. I don't know. Maybe they don't do that sort of thing. Yeah. Maybe it's like one of the, the, the super special agents. I don't know. John has managed to get the codes to release Chana and Aaron. Yeah, so now they're flopping around free, but not to reembiggen them. They are, however, freed from the tube, and indeed, as I like wrote down, like, is, oh, they're going to be riding into battle on a DRD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here we have another one of those moments where John goes, okay, first priority is to get you back re-embiggened, and Aaron goes, no, we'll keep. First priority is to get everybody else. And he goes, oh, yeah, shit. About um, that, yes. Uh, there's a little bit of shooting. We get a pretty cool fight between John and Axicor, although... He, he starts off with, like, hitting him with a, I don't know, surfing dish or a manhole cover or what it is. It's a manhole cover. And it's th- like a Ninja Turtles manhole and cover. And I thought he went down way too easily because, you know, he's supposed to be a scar and He's like he's supposed to be able to hit him in the side with a f- freight truck and he's supposed to still be standing. He seemed to go down real easy for that first blow. But mm. Yeah, I think it's their skin that's really tough, like resistant to pulse blast. Mm, okay, maybe. But, like... Yeah. Just getting brained with a with a TMNT manhole cover, and we get a really cool. I mean, I'm going to call it like a mage fight, where like, <laughs> no, seriously, where two yeah. spellcasters are trying to like out out spellcast the other, like shrink you, grow me, shrink you, grow me, yeah. back and forth, yeah. and sort of exploiting each other's cooldown timers. 
Yeah. Oh, that's, I didn't even thought of that one, but yes, very no, much I, so. I, this is exactly like that that sort of thing where like Crichton to dodge one of these blows shrinks himself and go, oh, wait, oops, oops, oops. No, hold on, shrink you as well. Until finally he's able to... John wins. He gets big while Axacor is still small and he just goes like... Ah! One small step for man. I wonder if there's... I wonder if there's other sex weirdos out there who had their awakenings at this moment and realized, oh, maybe... There's a reason a movie like The, the Attack of the 50 Feet Tall Women is popular, you know? I guess so. This is not a... Yeah, this no, is not an unusual uh, thing. Hey, and no judgment. We absolutely oh, celebrate no. our fellow sex weirdos. So, so endeth Axicore. Uh, yes, an very... An ignominious death. And with a little uh, cockroach mention at the... Uh, so much Spanish in this episode. Yes. Well, I mean, he's been, he's been on a Spanish kick a lot recently. This whole season. Maybe yeah. he's been doing a, like a Pimsleur course while yeah. he was out on ELAC. Yeah, maybe he was like, oh, no, the owl didn't exist yet then. Oh, that's the other one. Yes, that's Duolingo. Yes. And all's well that ends well. Everyone's free and reembiggened. But we kind of have to end on a downer because it is so a Farscape. So. Da, 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 da. Yep. There is a very, very valid question being discussed between between John and and Dargo. It's like, what to do with Scorpius? Yes. Because we don't have a cage that can hold him. Apparently we don't, no. I mean, we should be able to make a better one, I guess. Although, if we know that one of the cells doesn't hold him, maybe we have to, you know, build him a sex weirdo cage. (laughs) Okay. Now, I happen to know that you've just completed a course in welding. And so, like, <laughs> you're, you're talking about, oh, I'm going to make my own furniture. And, like, I have no idea, no doubt that you will. But now this is just on your brain. So like, we'll just, I oh, was, no, I, is it like in Battlestar Galactica when they, when, when they have to build a new prison for a Cylon? I suppose so, yeah. Sometimes. There's a lot of welding involved in there. Yes. But, I mean, this is like Moya. <laughs> the excitement like, on your face is Moya, just grow, grow ourselves a bitter room. You know, I don't know if that works. Yeah. Can they, can they just like get get a more secure door? No air ducts. I don't know. That's the thing with prisoners are inside the cell a lot of the time. Yes. They have a lot of time to sort of contemplate and investigate and True. How much time can you spend on on sort of ingenuity proofing? Yes. Oh, I don't know. But the real news comes from Pilot who has been conferring with Moya again and he goes like, "Well, we definitely don't want to go to Scarron space or Peacekeeper space. And it turns out that the uncharted territories are getting a bit dicey as well. So we might have to go to... Tormented space! Eagle-eared listeners will have noticed that earlier in this season, I think, like, I joined you in a little run on imagining, like, the Uncharted Territories and, oh, the whatever other kind of thing. Yes. Like, did, did you remember that I named Drop No, I did not, no. Okay, good, so I'm, I'm still doing it right. Because, yeah, and apparently it's also a nexus, which is why... Uh, yes, lots uh, of wormholes there. Which but, is why I think Pilot talked to John first mm. and then conferring with Aaron before asking Captain Dargo. Which is an interesting sort of maneuver. Yes. Like... I mean, it makes sense to talk to the wormhole specialist first. Yeah, right? But also, he knows John loves wormholes, so that's an easy get. And and even John asks, like, oh, is Moya all right with this? Moya is understandably trepidatious. Yeah. Does, like, confer to them some safety that they haven't enjoyed in a while. This this sort of reminded me of oh I think that came later actually yeah Star Trek Enterprise season three when they have to go to the, the Delphic Expanse where things are also different and they don't you don't hear from people who go there very often and they come they come out weird mm. so yeah what are we expecting there well we don't know I mean tormented space nobody who goes there, or at least very few people who go there ever return. So it might just be a really nice place. And they go like, yeah, screw that. Like, right. Okay. <laughs> it might just be great. And everybody goes, oh, whoa. This is like this- peaceful and like friendly and there's food everywhere. And like, we don't get like, nah, yeah, well, this being Farscape. Well, it's like when a new sort of holiday destination becomes discovered that nobody hears about. Oh, yes, Blebnarnia. It's the southeast western European country that that only really clever travelers know about. And it's really absolutely delightful. Southwest North Brabant. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so, I guess we go to... She gives me a woody. She gives you a willy. You're so good with these puppets. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm glad I'm finally allowed to be pressing them. It's nice, right? <laughs> yes. So, uh, let's see. What do we have? So, I, I love the light-up ranking signal on the, uh, on the guys. So, it, it's it, so it cool. It looks really good. And I really love, yeah, well, yeah, intelligent opponents. Like who don't yes. do stupid, who don't fall for stupid shit, who are stronger than they seem. Yes, yes, they're strong where they they. Oh, whatever. I was going to try and do it like oh, the art of war, but I haven't read the art of war. I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to choose from. So, where does your Woody go? Well, I think I'm going to name two, and I'm not going to tell you which one is the Willy and which one is the Woody. An unconventional move. Ooh, ooh, I'm I'm honestly excited. Or I may, I may, I may be lying. They most may, may, might be both. That's okay. Or, uh, they might be both Willies or both Woodies. I'm not telling you. I'm, I'm just not telling you. So the two moments <laughs> that really stood out there was when he was blow, when he blows up his henchman, when he just goes like beep beep beep, and, and they're dead. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And the other one mm-hmm. is studying jo- your face. The other one is John squishing him under underfoot at the end fight. Okay. Now this is really one of those friendship tests to see how well how well we know one another. I'm thinking. Hmm. I'm thinking the sort of detonation. Mm-hmm. I think that's a Woody for you. Mm-hmm. I think you thought that was cool, and I thought the squishing got your willy. That's what I think. Or maybe they both. No, hold on. You can, you've got to give me an answer, or you, do you give it to me? Do you have it written down, or are you just making it up? No, I'm just making it up. Ah! <laughs> I thought you were finally coming. In, like I make all these games for you. I'm oh, sorry. No, it's this... okay. It's okay. Fine. We're a bit behind on scoring your points anyway. Next time. Next time. Really? There's there's people out there who are making databases of what our willies and woodies are. Oh, really? Are you not going to... Oh, okay. I mean, well, let's be fair. One of them may be me with my penchant for my handy database. Well, there's that. But come on. Will you not commit? Oh, well, I, I mean, I'd say they're both willies. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that is... <laughs> That is sort of justified. I mean, yeah, then in that case, the Woody would go to the the, the armor and the lighting up insignias and, like, just the way they looked with the glowy eyes and everything. That like They were fantastic cool aliens. Right? Yeah, they looked amazing. Yeah, the, we're, we're once again touching Woody's because that's, that's also <laughs> mine, the Qureshi design. Like, aside from my sex weirdo thing, which I still have many years to figure out exactly what's going on there, they just look so cool. And they're completely immobile. It's just flashing lights to signify mm, what they're yeah, there's, listening there's to. Yeah, no, there's no facial expressions. There's, I mean, there's a little bit of head tilt here and there, but that's about it. I mean, they've got even less to work with than Dargo does. And I kind of like that, like, the actors get to perform because it's their voices that are making the, the, mm-hmm. the eyes blink. Oh, okay. It's just right? a direct little speech coder or something. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, nice. yeah, which is, which is really good. I think, actually, my willy goes to they and we completely forgetting about Naranti. Crichton? Yeah, right. There's a wrinkled old woman floating outside the forward portal. Whoa, gigantic oops. Can you do me a favor? Pop outside the tier three trouble inside Hedge and haul Granny in. I think that might just be a, I mean, a plot point, you know? Everybody always forgets about Naranti. It's... And I have it, like, written down like Granny to the rescue, so I might... As a with a question mark behind it, figuring like, okay, this might go that everybody gets like caught and trapped, which it kind of does, and then suddenly Granny pulls up something. Uh, yeah, tricky, as, a, as a Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, which I think is brilliant that it doesn't happen. No, absolutely, it's it's really hilarious because it's completely in character. Every everybody's always forgetting about her. Yeah. it's like nobody. It's like, oh yeah, she's she's still around. It's like, how did that happen? So <laughs> the Koreshi on the command don't even see her. Like they no. happen to be facing away from the from the viewport while she's floating there. <laughs> <laughs> Did I have a willy? I ah, whatever. All right, uh, and that and that's the, the story, story so, so far. Escape. Yes. yes. Please join us next week for another tales of the uncharted territory, and Ooh. after that for episode four hundred nine, a perfect murder. Hmm. In which. Do, do, oh, sorry. Do, 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 in which, yes, I do, got it here. Yes. In which, on a planet of uh, divided clans, Erin brings them to the brink of war when she opens fire on a crowd of innocents. But there's much more to this massacre than meets the eye. Ah, Erin's back to her old ways. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, that sounds okay. intriguing. Now, I've I've broken a promise. I promised to print out my sort of end spiel 
Ah. But I'm, I'm going to try it anyway. All right. And I'm going Go to really it. sort of center myself. You can find us at SoFarscape on Facebook and Twitter or on SoFarscape.com. SoFarscape.com slash links takes you to all of our various links. SoFarscape.com slash submit for your synopses. SoFarscape.com slash support for Patreon. Very close. And SoFarscape.com slash the other one for the third thing that there is. Please we, remain seated until the vehicle we, has come to a full stop. And now we're going to give you a little sort of crinkle-tinkle haircut for those of you who are sensitive to ASMR. In the meantime, I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, escape so good. good. <laughs> uh.